In the last episode, I was talking about how my experiences in Vietnam had caused my PTSD and how the symptoms of my PTSD had turned me from a good sailor who obeyed every order into a hostile belligerent sailor who didn't obey any orders. A major symptom of my PTSD was a healthy disrespect for authority. In a previous episode, I described what techniques I used to make sure that I didn't do any work on the ship that I didn't want to. I thought it was my superior intelligence that allowed me to convince my supervisors to leave me alone. Now I can really see that they left me alone because they knew I was broken and they didn't want to break me anymore. So they were really the intelligent ones and I was the dumb one. When my supervisors aboard the ship saw that I wasn't willing to do anything they told me, they made sure that when I was assigned a task to do, that I was on a team of sailors who could complete the task without me doing any part of it. Because I didn't have to do any work when I was told to, I thought that I was so superior to everyone else. While the others were doing the tasks they were assigned to do, I would sit off to the side and talk about how bad my life in the Navy was. So how did my supervisors know that I was so broken? Well, to put that in perspective, let me give you some stats on the sailors who were uh, on shore duty in Vietnam. On the last three ships that I was assigned to before my discharge in the Navy, I was the only one stationed on those ships that had been assigned to shore duty in Vietnam. To get an accurate percentage of sailors who were assigned shore duty in Vietnam, I Googled it and I found out that only about 20% of the sailors in the Navy had been assigned shore duty in Vietnam. The rest were either on a ship or shore duty in other parts of the world. Usually, when a sailor is assigned to a ship out of boot camp, they stay on that ship for most of their four-year enlistment. Because I, was assigned, uh, because I was assigned to three different ships in my last two and a half years in the Navy, I was an, I was an anomaly. It was not obvious to me, but it was obvious to my supervisors on the ships that I was stationed on after my Vietnam experience that I was damaged goods because I had been in combat in Vietnam. I'm sure that they told my immediate supervisors just to leave me alone and sooner or later I would go away. I guess their leniency towards me was because they didn't want to screw me up any more than I already was. I wish that I had realized that decades ago. Maybe if I had, I could have corrected that symptom of my PTSD. But because I didn't, and because I thought I was so superior to any of my supervisors in the workplace, I have used my superior intelligence in my mind and the same intimidation tactics on my supervisors and the companies that I've worked for after I got out of Vietnam, after I got out of the Navy for the last 45 years. From 1972 until 2019, that's 47 years, I refused to obey the managers and supervisors that I worked for whenever I thought I was wrong, I was right, and they were wrong. I was inflicting upon them the same sense of superiority and intimidation techniques that I had used on my supervisors in the Navy. As you can imagine, in the corporate world, that didn't go over very well for me. That's because the people I worked for were often more intimidating 
and more in control of the situation than I was. But I never let that bother me. My brain, my PTSD brain, told me that I was right and they were wrong. And if they didn't like me, then I should just move on. My brain never once told me that I was wrong and they were right. In effect, I was not in control of myself. My attitudes and behaviors were being managed by a dysfunctional PTSD brain. As a result, from 1972, when I got out of the Navy, to 2019, that's 47 years, I had 73 full-time and part-time jobs. The reason that I had so many jobs was not because I wasn't a good worker or that I wasn't good at my job. It was because my dysfunctional PTSD brain was in charge of my attitudes and behaviors. So here's how it went. Whenever I thought that I knew more about something than the manager did or that the company was doing, I would immediately stop what I was doing and try to explain to anyone that would listen why I was wrong and they were, why I was right and they were wrong. I would complain about the company's policies or I would explain why the product was defective or that their marketing strategy was not going to be effective or that some employee I didn't like needed to be fired. Usually, it was not long after that that I was either forced out of the company or I was fired. When that happened in my PTSD mind, I was it was always the manager's fault. It was never my fault. To justify my position, I would convince myself that my manager was too dumb to see the problem the way it really was. In my dysfunctional mind, my problems were always someone else's fault. Another one of my PTSD symptoms went right along with my disrespect for authority symptom. That was, I was always right and anyone who disagreed with me was wrong. This is the way I operated from 1972 until 2019 when I was finally able to unlock the fight or flight part of my brain and get back to normal. Once I was finally out of the fight or flight or hyper mode, I was able to see that the disrespect for authority and my, and my I am always right attitude that I had had all those years was the real reason that I was fired or forced to quit all those jobs. Just before I had unlocked my fight or flight mode in 2019, I quit working for a company because I was tired of telling the manager for a whole year that the company was headed in the wrong direction and he wouldn't listen to me. So after I quit that company, I went to work for a different company that looked like it would be a good fit for me. Normally, after a few months working for a new company, I began to see things that I didn't like or that I didn't think were working so well. And then I would begin positioning myself to be able to fix them. But it was different with this new company because with this new company, I had decided that I would be the best employee I could be and obey all the company rules. First time ever. When I made that decision, I realized that I was finally out of the fight or flight mode. The fact that I didn't feel the need to change anything in my new company or complain about how screwed up I thought the company was meant that I had overcome two of the major symptoms of my PTSD. 
Those two symptoms were my disrespect for authority and my way or the highway attitude. Without those two dysfunctional attitudes, I could, for the first time in 50 years, be a good employee. Now, after I'd worked for this new company for a few months, I realized that I was getting along well with everyone on the staff. This was so unusual for me that I decided to consult one of my bosses to see if I really was being a good employee. He said that he thought I was a very good employee. That is when I realized that I had really changed my modus operandi. I had literally changed from the bad employee that that I had been since 1972 to the good employee that I had been before I went to Vietnam. Now, as I look back on the jobs that I quit or got fired from, I can see that the real reason that I was fired or forced to quit was that I was an unmanageable employee. I wasn't a manageable employee because I did not work for the company. I worked for myself. When the companies that I worked for had a problem that needed to be solved, I was either part of the solution or I was part of the problem. When I refused to be part of the solution, then management had no alternative but to let me go. Now, looking back on the last 47 years of being an unmanageable employee, it's funny to me that I couldn't see how disruptive those two dysfunctional attitudes were, even though many people over those years tried to tell me how destructive I was being. The reason I couldn't see it, of course, was because my brain was locked up so tight from my PTSD that all I could hear in my head was my brain telling me that I was right and all of them were wrong. Now, let's talk about some more symptoms of PTSD. In an article titled, Know Thy Enemy by Lieutenant Colonel Pete Kilner, USA Retired, published on uh, Monday, June 26, 2017, it says, quote, hatred is an inescapable byproduct of war, question mark. So it was, is hatred an inescapable byproduct of war? Must soldiers hate their enemy to prevail? Goes on to say, these are important questions for the military profession because hatred is harmful to those who hold it. Soldiers consumed by hatred are unhealthy to their core. Hatred is a persistent toxin that damages combat veterans' souls and families long after a deployment has ended, unquote. Now, that last statement applies to me. Let me read that again, quote, soldiers consumed by hatred are unhealthy in their core. Hatred is a persistent toxin that damages combat veterans' souls and families long after deployment has ended, unquote. In my podcast episode titled, How Learning to Hate Helped Me Survive in Vietnam and Later Almost Destroyed My Life, in that podcast, I described how I developed a hatred for everyone in Vietnam, the enemy, the Navy, and my supervisors. My hatred for them began when I started to get angry at my supervisors because of intolerable working conditions. I let my supervisors know what I was angry about when this all happened, but they weren't interested in listening to me. As a result of them ignoring me, I began to despise them for not recognizing how important and essential the work me and my fellow sailors were doing to help our side win the war. 
how could they be so incompetent in a combat zone? I thought, in my mind, they they really didn't care about our safety. As time went on, my hostility and anger turned to hate. I believe that hate is a common emotion for combat soldiers. That is because it's easier to kill the enemy if you hate them. Can you imagine how hard it would be to point a gun at a person and pull the trigger if you cared about them? So hatred is the dominant attitude in combat. In my case, the problem of being consumed with hate towards the enemy was that I did not just focus my hatred on the enemy. I turned that hatred on anyone that I perceived was my enemy. To me, the enemy was not just the Viet Cong. It was also my supervisors in the Navy who were forcing me to work long hours in 120 degree heat with 90% humidity, telling me to fix outboard engines with no spare parts and making me work 10 hour days when I had a cold that eventually turned into double pneumonia. The toxin of hatred not only damaged my soul, it damaged all my relationships relationships for the next five to 10 years after my discharge from the Navy. In case you aren't familiar with what a damaged soul looks like, let me describe it to you. Your soul is your inner core that determines what you think, what your attitudes are, and how you act. I wasn't sure what the academic definition of soul was, so I went to Google to find out. I found an exceptional website called Focus Life. On the focuslife.com blog, it says this about a person's core or soul. Quote, our souls integrate our whole person, our emotions, thoughts, and our body, and even our relationships in the most basic sense, unquote. Now, those things, our emotions, thoughts, our body, and our relationships make up who we are. After the definition of the word soul in this article, the author gave 23 signs of an unhealthy soul. I was interested in what what those signs were because in looking at my life since my PTSD event, I think that my attitudes and behaviors fit the definition of an unhealthy soul. Throughout my life, people have often told me that my actions and behaviors were not normal, but to me, they were normal, so I blew them off. What do they know about me? I would say to myself. In 1998, when I started working with a Vietnam veterans counselor and began looking objectively at my behaviors over the previous 28 years, I could see that something was deeply wrong with many of my attitudes and behaviors, but I didn't know how to fix them. So as I read the rest of the blog, I had to admit that 14 of the 23 unhealthy soul attitudes applied directly to me. I did not have any of those attitudes or behaviors before I went to Vietnam, so I assume that they were a result of my PTSD. Now, I can see that I developed those unhealthy attitudes as a defense mechanism to protect me after the horrific events that caused my PTSD. In hindsight, these negative defense defense mechanisms did not help me live a healthy life. These PTSD defense mechanisms that were supposed to protect me from reliving the pain I felt in Vietnam actually caused me to live a dysfunctional life. It was my brain that automatically decided that I needed these defense mechanisms to help me survive during my year in Vietnam. And maybe 
my brain was right at that time. But I did not give my brain permission to lock me into all those dysfunctional attitudes and behaviors for the next 50 years, but it did it anyway. But I'm glad, even at age 72, that I am now able to recognize the dysfunctional attitudes and behaviors that have caused so much chaos and pain over the last 50 years, and now I'm determined to correct them. So that's it for this episode. See you in the next one.